Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. It is I, one of your co-hosts, Jessica. And as always, I am joined by my favorite ghoul friend, Tara. Hey, Spooksters. This week, we are going to be talking about a place that kind of doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) No. (laughs) No longer exists. And it is going to be the Linda Vista Hospital, which if you had been sitting with me while I was doing all my research, I kept writing hotel and crossing it out and then writing hospital next to it. (laughs) Because we do a lot of hotels, not a lot of hospitals. (laughs) True. (laughs) So I was like, this feels weird. Right. So if you have been following the show for the last few weeks, you know that we have been talking about a live event. Quick backstory is that Tara and I at the beginning of the year, had planned to do a live event, and then the Rona hit, and then we did not, (laughs) we could not get together because we didn't want to put anyone, like, if anyone was going to travel, we didn't want to put anyone's health at risk. So we thought long and hard, and we're like, why don't we do a virtual live event where we set up and we make it a little fancier? You know, we have some big extravagant cocktails, which probably will be like champagne-y, sparkling stuff flowing, and all that kind of fun jazz and do a topic and then also do a VIP event that we were going to do at the venue where you would get to spend some time with Tara and I. So we do have that. So if you go to the link tree, there is a link to go to our live event. And let me break it down for you, the two levels. So there's a general admission, which is just you get to see the live event and all of that fun stuff that happens in the live event. And then there's the VIP ticket. And what you get with that is after the live event, we're going to host a private meeting with all of those people. And we've left one little detail out of this. It's just that that is capped at 35 people. Because Tara and I have talked about it. If we opened it up to everyone, then it wouldn't really be, people wouldn't be able to ask us questions and be able to interact with us, which is what we want it to be. So it is capped at 35 people. Right now, there's about 26 of those particular ones left. So if that is something that you were wanting to do, make sure you go and get that before they run out. And with that, not only do you get the extra time with us, but on top of that, we will be sending out some fun swag from around our second anniversary stuff, which we are so excited that it's been two years. I mean, it's mind blowing that it's been two, <laughs> two years. Mm, I know. Because, okay, so Tara, like, just so that everyone knows, right now in real time, it's August 3rd. Yes. Which, if anyone has followed along, this is when you and I went to Disney. And the whole weekend, Tara wanted to ask me about doing this podcast, and she didn't do it. True. And so, really, this weekend is, like, kind of our first anniversary of the podcast being something that was a brainchild. Mm-hmm. And then we started, and it evolved, and it is this crazy chaos of beautifulness. Yes. Literally, it's just 
It's crazy how many of you guys are listening to us and think we're kind of funny or think Jessica's funny, which she is funny, so that's fine. Stop it. You're funny. (laughs) We are just like, what? It's crazy, but we love you guys so very much. Oh, yeah. I mean, every day Tara and I talk about the pod business because, you know, it is our business. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one of the things that constantly blows away is just like the downloads, people listening. We love the commenting like in the Facebook group. It's been like this amazing ride that we've had with you guys. And so we're so excited about this event coming up. It's September 18th. It is a Friday. It's at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're East Coast, make sure you back that up. It'll be nine-year time, East Coast. Nine-year time? Yes. If you're Tara in Alaska, it's five. Yes. (laughs) Early in the day for me. (laughs) Right. It's always interesting because when we record these things, I'll be like, okay, we're going to record at this time. And Tara's like... Oh, that's no big deal for me. And I'm like, yeah, that's late for me. (laughs) No, I I am a night person, so I like recording at night. No biggie. (laughs) But if you want to go, make sure you get your tickets. And it's going to be a lot of fun. There's so many more surprises yet to come about this event. But we definitely wanted to get that out in front of you guys so that you guys could make plans accordingly. Yes. Okay, so that's that. And moving on to some more of our fun business is where you can find us. Oh, by the way, if you're a first time listener, welcome to this crazy chaos of beautifulness that I'm now dubbing this as. (laughs) And if you're returning, we're so glad you're you're here. I almost said we're so glad you're still here because there are moments (laughs) where I'm like, they're still here. This is amazing. They, They don't hate us. Legit, we we do have some people who have been here since OG days, so it's fucking crazy to me. It is crazy. Oh, yeah. I love it. Thank you to you, peeps. You know who you are. It really, really is. Anyways, enough memory lane. Ah, uh, we'll have more time for that later. Come see us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Which is at Three Spooked Girls. Our Facebook group is a hopping place. I love it. It is someplace where, like, if you just want to hang out with some true crime and paranormal peeps, like, it's the place to go because that's just what they do. Also, I love it because we do watch parties once a month. And if you have been in the group or on the socials, you will have seen Tara's amazing um, watch party (laughs) cup she made us because that quote is literally said so many times. (laughs) Because our watch parties have quickly turned into, like, ghost adventure watch parties. Mm -hmm. And so we do those about once a month, and there's just lots of fun things that we do in there. You can also find us on Patreon.com if you want to support the show. We have so many tiers. Starting at a dollar, you can get an extra episode a month, and it goes up from there. Two dollars up, get slaughters, which has been super fun for me to do. Up from there, there's more video, there's video content and other things at other levels. So definitely check it out. And for our drink of the episode, since we're doing it on the Linda Vista Hospital, I tried to find something and was struggling. And Kate whispered in my ear, like, remember that time in one of the episodes of Ghost Adventures when Nick saw the apparition? He saw the figure and I was like, ooh, let's do a fig sour cocktail. So really stretching it out there, guys. (laughs) A little bit of a reach this week, but it's okay. <laughs> we still like it. It looks delicious. You definitely want to check that out. It'll be up on our socials manana. And like we've mentioned in the past, if you make these drinks, please let us know and share them on social and tag us at Three Spooked Girls. Yes. Spread the good word and bring people to the Spookster family. <laughs> <laughs> We're the only cult that doesn't require you to do something weird and depriving. 
And no flavor aid because it's not Kool Aid. It was flavor aid. <laughs> no flavor aid. No, no. No flavor aid. Sorry. <laughs> With that, we're going to take a quick FOMO break and we'll be back in a minute. See you guys then. Are you a true crime junkie? Do you talk about true crime with your friends all of the time? And are there cases that have stuck with you for so many years because of geographic or emotional closeness? If so, then welcome to Fatalities. I'm Elisa Lucas, and this is the podcast where I explore true crime cases over tea with the help of my friends. Because without tea, friends, and good conversation, there's nothing but darkness and chaos. So grab a warm cup of tea and join me as my friends and I discuss the cases that have struck a chord with us and the related issues that might help us understand why such horrible crimes have occurred. The podcast is dropped every other Wednesday and is available on such podcatchers as Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and so much more. You may follow Fatalities on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, but don't forget that T's is spelled T-E-A-S, because here is where we spill the tea. to big cities from law enforcement to victims families the 3c podcast brings you the places and faces of indiana's most perplexing unsolved crimes we'll tell the stories you haven't heard and examine theories and suspects old and new ever wonder why four young people were abducted from a speedway burger chef just to be driven 25 miles away and murdered in 1978 Why did one teenage victim of Muncie's 1985 Westside Park murders have an empty gun holster under his body when found? These are the answers we're looking for, and we won't stop until we find them. We invite you, the listener, to join our crowdsourced investigations each week. Indiana Justice may be just one episode away on the 3C Podcast. And welcome back from that promo break. We hope you enjoyed it. So how this episode is going to work is Tara is going to tell you about the history of Linda Vista. And then I'm going to talk about the ghouls and ghosts and the scary things that live there. (laughs) It's a weird history and a weird story. So let's get to it. Yes. So I'll just give you guys the disclaimer. The history of this hospital is short and not so sweet. So fair warning. Sorry, guys. That's how it goes. So the property's address is listed as 610 South St. Louis Street, Los Angeles, California. More specifically, East L.A. California people, you're probably already like, oh, fuck. So, yeah, (laughs) there's that. The property was purchased for $5,500 and the construction costs totaled $147,000. And the original design was done by Charles Frederick Whittlesey, which in today's money, the purchase price would be $158,429.91. Still cheap, though. Yeah. For California, especially. Even in East L.A. Yes. But here's where you're going to be like, not so cheap. The construction costs, that conversion in today's money would be $4,234,399.36. I mean, it is a big ass. It's like two buildings. So I get it. It didn't start that way, though. Oh, that's true. It originally opened as the Santa Fe Coastline Hospital in 1905. 
And this was opened to serve the employees of the Santa Fe Railroad who had been hurt on the job type of thing. Fun fact, my husband's great-grandfather worked on that railroad. I think it's that railroad. Wow. Then in 1924, they expanded on the property, like Jessica mentioned earlier. They added more beds, buildings, and capability to care for patients. They even had their own livestock on the premises, including cows, chickens, and other animals. And along with that, they also had a full garden of vegetables and produce as well, and both fully thrived there on the property, and they were actually able to provide food for the staff and the patients, which included dairy, eggs, of course, the produce, and meat. So they were, like, very self-sufficient. That's smart. Yeah. Then in 1938, they did more improvements on their on the hospital property, and it built up to the structures that were present during more recent times prior to what current renovations look like. We'll get at that a little later. And it was designed into a mission revival style structure by H.L. Gillum. Around this time, the area started to become less affluent due to the Great Depression and also World War II. So lots of hard-hitting stuff happening. And sticking to this kind of same theme of kind of like change and the environment and stuff, moving a few decades ahead, if we jump to the 1970s, this is when there started to become a decline of the railroad employees going to the hospital for care. They actually had a lot more gang-related crimes happening in this area, and gang activity was on the rise during the 70s and the 80s. So with this, the hospital began to treat a lot more local residents in the area. And most of the time they said it was injuries related to gang crimes and things like that, such as gunshot wounds. Then in 1980, the Santa Fe Railroad would end up selling the hospital and cutting ties with the property. And honestly, it pretty much seems to kind of go downhill from here. During the 80s, the death rates of the patients actually began to rise by a lot. And the quality of the hospital began to go down. Yeah, very, very much. <laughs> very, very much so. The budget appeared to be the problem, and it was stated that they couldn't really afford to upgrade, like, the medical equipment and any of that stuff, so things were starting to become outdated, which is a problem in the healthcare world. Oh, very much. When you watch, like, the show Scrubs and they're talking about, like, oh, like, this piece of equipment is so old and you look at it and you're like, it looks brand new, but it's probably only a couple years old. Yeah. And something bigger and better has come out and replaced it. Right. And then, kind of jumping us to the late 80s, they actually stopped accepting ambulances to the ER. What? Yeah. I'm like, hospitals can do that? Apparently. <laughs> I had never heard of that. And basically, it was because they couldn't, they weren't going to be able to assist those patients. And the articles I read said the reason for this was due to an increase of uninsured and underinsured patients. Also, they were, at this point, severely, severely understaffed. So they just didn't have the people. And basically, the reason for the understaffing was that tons of the healthcare professionals that worked there ended up leaving because of the working conditions being so shitty, and they wanted to move to a more affluent area or an affluent hospital type of thing. Right. I mean, it's literally, like Tara said, it's like in the middle of this gang area. So you had nurses and doctors just risking their lives coming to work. 
Right, exactly. So don't blame them there for wanting a safer environment. And then it was also said when they, you know, where they were like downsizing, they were trying to reduce certain like operational expenses that they had and things like that, that they were like, no, you guys are the reason why all of these people are dying because you got overworked and overtired people. And then you possibly like, I don't know, I'm assuming they were trying to say like they had people who just didn't give a shit type of thing because they just said everything was just all the bad news. Well, and it would also be a breeding ground of like, because there wasn't a lot of money and because people were like, I'm not going to fucking work there. They were taking people as they could get them. So this is just like business 101. If you pay people a shit wage and the environment is shit, like you're going to get shit people. Yeah. Now, you would have thought that they would have rebranded once it was purchased, but really, they didn't. They didn't actually rename the hospital to Linda Vista Community Hospital until 1989. Holy shit. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? The first time I read that, I was like, this has to be a typo or just wrong. So I went to more articles and it was like, nope, 89. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Okay. I mean, I know about that time they were, like, trying to, like, make it look and seem better. And Linda Vista means, like, beautiful view. So, like, it might be a little better. Mm -hmm. But then just two years after this rebranding, the hospital would end up shutting down in 1991. The mainstream story type of thing and what they, you know, kind of like the PR story and what put out was, like, the simple factor of not having the funds to continue a, like, actual hospital. But many others suspected that it was because of the quality of care and the high death rates like that combo. There was tons of rumors, and I totally believe it, that there was lots of cases of like patient abuse and mismanagement there at the hospital. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely talk about that. some of that stuff in my portion. I figured, yeah. It, pun intended, comes back to haunt them. <laughs> Literally. I remember, speaking of that, I remember when I was watching the Ghost Adventures episode when, like, part of Zach's, you know, 100 narrating things, he was like, there was tons of lawsuits, blah, 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 and all this crap. But, like, when I was reading about it, it said there wasn't anything filed with the state of California. So I'm not sure. So don't quote me on that. It could be, like, city level. True. That's very true. My thought was, like, if a lot of these patients were in there for gang-related violence or activity, it makes sense why, even though if they got treated like crap or whatever, they may not want to report anything because then that'll draw attention to them and what they may be doing. I don't know. That's kind of the way I thought of it, but I'm not sure. Anyways, so from here... From 91, the year of my birth, (laughs) the building would remain vacant for a long time. And actually, it became a very popular area for filming, like movies, TVs, and even music videos, which made me laugh. I saw that, like, I was, like, looking at the list and they were like, and music videos filmed here. And I was like, oh, okay, I see you. Right? Yeah. So I'm not going to go through this whole list, but I'm going to tell you guys some, like, honorable mentions. So for movies, they have To Live and Die in L.A., Outbreak, Children of the Corn 666, Isaac's Return. I never watched that one. I watched the first one only. I didn't know that one existed (laughs) until reading. I was like, oh. Right. I know. Pearl Harbor, (gasps) The Longest Yard. That makes total sense because of like the way it, yes, Pearl Harbor. I get this. Right? 
Insidious Chapter 2 and 3, and Zombie Strippers. I haven't seen that movie. I haven't either. I mean, we already did Zombievers. Okay, but Zombievers was good, so I don't want to hear it. It was. It was funny. I will admit that. It was really funny. I think Zombie Strippers was a one of those random horror movie, horror quotes, movies on like Hulu. Because I've definitely seen like the poster or seen something for it and been like, what the fuck? And not watched it. But it's been on one of the streaming things. <laughs> yeah. You and I have had the same reaction. Maybe not that one. <laughs> yeah. And now for TV, Buffy the Vampire Slayer has filmed there. Of course, Ghost Adventures. Apparently an episode of Charmed. An episode of True Blood. I think I know what episode that is. Yeah, it says season five and episode Let's Boot and Rally. And uh, Criminal Minds season seven in the episode Heathridge Manor, which Jessica just watched. <laughs> it's really funny because I was like reading about it. And then I read that it said Heath, whatever, Manor, Heathridge Manor. And I was like, oh, OK. And then I was watching it. And so that I like stopped. I was like, Tara, screenshot. <laughs> Look at this. And she's like, OK. Oh, God. So, and then lastly, for music videos, just because I think it's fucking hilarious. I don't know why. Duran Duran did their Falling Down music video there. Mm. Fallout Boy did Where Did the Party Go? Paramore did their Monster music video there. Newfound Glory, Disturbed, The Lumineers, The Foo Fighters, Hollywood Undead for you closet early 2000 emo people. (laughs) Not shaming you. I was there. And just like tons of bands have done music videos here. It's crazy. And I just thought it was just the funniest thing. I mean, it's, it's a huge building with a ton of open space. And if you had any kind of medical theme, I mean, they just fucking walked off and left that shit in there so you could just like use it. Yeah, there was there was patient files. There was like old beds. There was all kinds of shit in there before they did stuff to it, which I'll talk about now before I hand it to Jessica. So, you know, this perfect filming location did not stay that way forever. It actually turned into something else. So in 2011, it was renovated again because it definitely needed the facelift, basically. And it was transformed into Hollenbeck Terrace, which is an assisted living facility for senior citizens slash like affordable living type of thing. Mm -hmm. Because I clicked around their website. And apparently this was actually a or is still could be, I don't know, a popular trend nationwide to take old hospitals and make them apartment buildings. I was like, that's kind of (laughs) creepy. I don't know how I feel about that. It makes sense because of the space. The space and the plumbing. Yeah. I mean, they're not huge apartments, I'm assuming. No. I don't know that I would want to live in this one. Like, after you hear what I have to say, you probably wouldn't want to live there. (laughs) No. Yeah. No, like, they're modest size like i think the biggest one was like two or three bedrooms so they could have roommates and stuff if they wanted to type of situation that's so cute right i know apparently they do this all across the u.s because the dude who they had come and work on that project to turn linda vista into that he had done other ones in like north carolina and a bunch of other states so he was like yeah this is just becoming a normal thing and i'm like well it's smart because the bones is there so i'm sure it saves them some money 
So, like I said, the history and background on this place is pretty, pretty brief. So, hopefully you guys enjoyed learning about it, but I'm going to give it over to Jessica for the creepy stuff because it's entertaining. Yes. Okay, since you just talked about the renovation, I have to say this. I don't know how much fucking sage they had to use on this place before they, like, could make it livable. Because you guys are going to hear this shit I'm about to say, and these are elderly people that are living there. Mm -hmm. Elderly who could have heart problems. And if a ghosty fucking walked through their apartment, they probably would have a heart attack. Literally. Just saying. Oh my God, I have to tell you, one of the articles I read, they did like a quick little interview with some little old lady that lives there. And she was like, yeah, when I first heard about it, I was kind of apprehensive to move in, but it's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> like, okay, grandma, I would not have done that. <laughs> like, mm, no. <laughs> right, that's grandma. <laughs> okay, like Tara mentioned, the hospital is located in Boyle Heights in LA, which is in East LA. Like Tara said, it's not a good neighborhood. And from 1976 to 1988, there was a ton of gang violence. And during this time, there was a doctor who worked there by the name of Dr. Edwards. I don't know his first name. I don't know anything else about him. His name is Dr. Edwards. And he worked there. And basically, he lived there. Like, that was his life. He dedicated his life to trying to help. And the hospital was, like Tara mentioned, was severely understaffed. It didn't have money for resources. So simple things like trying to save people from, like, at another hospital they most likely would have lived from, they weren't. So one day, a local gang leader was admitted to Linda Vista with a horrible gunshot wound. Like I said, probably at another hospital he may have lived, but Dr. Edwards tried everything he could to save the gang leader, but he couldn't. The gang leader succumbed to his wounds and died. Dr. Edwards had to tell the gang members who were like waiting in the waiting room about what happened. And they, like, to say they were less than pleased is an understatement. Like, from what I can tell, they got in his face and they yelled at him and they were like, this is your fault. And he's like, I tried everything. They got mad, but then they were asked to leave. After a long day of work, Dr. Edwards was like, I'm going home, which he, I guess, did sometimes. I mean, they made it seem like he never went home, but they were like, he was going home this day. And on his way out to the car, he was gunned down in the hospital and killed by gang members who have never been caught. So unfortunately, he did die because let's talk about like ironic problems. He was the person who would do anything to try to save people, yet he was the one who was dying. Though from what I could tell is that he was killed pretty instantaneously. Now, Dr. Edwards didn't go very far in the afterlife. He is said to stroll slash haunt the hospital. He has been seen making rounds. Like, you can see him, like, poking in and out of rooms. You could see him, like, walking across the hallway. You could see, like, his arms move. Like, they think it's him or other apparitions that his arms were moving, like, in the hallway. Like, he was pushing someone or, like, waving type stuff. He's also seen protecting other ghosts. We're going to talk about a little girl later. And he has been seen in the past, like, where she's, like, looked around him and, like, tried to, like, pass. And he's, like, held her back and protected her. He interacts with investigators. I don't know if he still does because I don't know if he's still there. Mm-hmm. Which would make sense if he was still there because it's, like, people he could take care of. He was asked who he was. And one paranormal investigator story was that they asked him who he was and he said, Doctor. And they asked him, like, how many women are with us? And he said six. And then they asked how many men? And he said six. And everyone's like, ah, he got it wrong. 
But what they didn't know is one of the people that was with them had come back in and was like sitting right outside the room. So like he knew that that person was there and they they found out very shortly. And that was a male investigator. Now, a female investigator at, I think, a later date asked who he was. And he said, doctor. And she said, doctor who? And he said, Edwards. And then a little bit later, she felt somebody touch her thigh. She was seated. So like someone put their hand on you type thing. And she said out loud, I feel violated. And you need to tell me who touched you. And he said, Dr. Edwards. So like he apparently is very vocal. Yeah. Dr. Edwards isn't the only one from that particular situation who stuck around. The gang leader who died has also been seen in the hospital. He has some unfinished business. He's seen wandering the hallways and he's described as having black eyes. He is said to be very angry and also very sad. He looks like he wants to hurt people, has been described as pure evil, and doesn't want people in the hospital. Gotcha. And he stares at people like he wants to hurt them. So the theory is, is that Dr. Edwards stays around to like try to save him to try to save his life. And it's like this never ending cycle. Like he can never save the gang leader and he can never save himself. Gotcha. There is a particular room in this hospital, which I don't know if it's in the hospital proper or if it's in like the adjacent asylum or like mental hospital that's right there. There's like that secret tunnel that you can go between. Yeah. But there is a room, which is room 323. And let me tell you, the presence in there is not nice. It is described as a most powerful, malevolent ghost or spirit. Oh, great. Right. They think it was a, <laughs> like a treacherous patient that was kept there and supposedly died in that room and now occupies that room. It is said that the anger he had in his life did not dissipate when he died. It's still there. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. When you enter the room, you feel uneasy. It says you get a, you feel a chill and a strong sense of unease. It often growls or howls when you come into the room. Mm. I don't like people. It could possibly be a demon. Several people have, have felt scratches, and when they, like, look, they have, like, deep scratches in their back. Oh, good. Right. And that happened in, like, one of the Ghost Adventures episodes. Mm-hmm. It was in the second one, because they Ghost Adventures went twice, and in the second one, this guy named Chad, who's, like, an actor, goes with them, and he's, like, the dude <laughs> that dies in the first Fast and Furious movie is what Zach said. And now I can't remember anything else he's ever been in. <laughs> when he was there, he got scratched as well. And I think maybe Nick, but we don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. And so uh, the entity in room 233 also, like, once you enter, it doesn't like you. But when you go to leave, if you pause in the doorway, it will shove you the fuck out. It'll be like, get the fuck out, bitch. This is my room. No second thoughts. Leave. <laughs> Everyone describes it as like a nice, firm, heavy shove. Like, bye. <laughs> Boom. Also, when they announced the renovation, people who got really, like, in the paranormal community were like, um, what's going to happen when you tear down the walls in room 223? Because it's going to let that thing out. Ooh, yeah. And I'm like... Mm, that's why I'm like, did they sage it? Did they bring a priest in? What happened? I need to know people. Right. So there's also a couple stories about a little girl. There's two stories that kind of run parallel to another. The first one is that the, there was a little girl. Well, there is a little a ghost of a little girl who roams the hallway. And one of the stories is that a little girl came into the hospital because she was accidentally shot in like a drive-by and she died on the operating table. 
Now, I don't know if it's the same little girl or if there's another little girl, which is a possibility, but there was also a little girl who was hit right out in front of the hospital, like by a car, like a a car hitter and then left type situation. And that little girl supposedly died. It said that the entity is very sad and she hums to interact with investigators, which in both episodes that I watched this little girl interacted in like in the daytime when they're like, if you watch ghost adventures in the beginning where they like get backstory when they're doing that, they play a recording of the girl like humming to these two other women. And when, as soon as that does it, it makes that voice happen again. So it like reoccurs. Then they catch a male voice very shortly after. And then another disembodied voice. Like all within and all their camera equipment was like shutting down and stuff like that. So it's a little playful girl. Now, the first story with the girl also has to do with another one is that a mother and a daughter were admitted to the hospital with the gunshot wounds and that the mother also died, which brings us to both episodes of Ghost Adventures as well, because Nick is there and he's kind of in this like triage surgery area and he sees an apparition of a woman dressed in a gown, like reaching out for him. That one just stood out to me because he was so fucking scared, like genuine scared. Oh, yeah. Like the whole I'm pretty sure the whole reason they went back to Linda Vista had everything to do with the fact that Nick needed answers. And so he was there. And then there was another woman in the second episode where they brought and she was there when like the hospital was still working and she saw the same thing. And so then they tried to build this like crazy concoction to like catch him, but nothing worked. And like I said, the little girl has been seen with Dr. Edwards and there's been a couple of times where like the little girl has been interacting with paranormal investigators and then all of a sudden they feel like an adult female presence enters the room and may think it's the mother looking for the little girl. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. And I'm like, you're in the same building. You should be able to find each other. Or it's that the mother's coming in to be like, okay, it's time to go type thing. Like we got to get away from these people. Hmm. Another really sad part of this hotel's, or not hotel, sorry, (laughs) of this hospital's history slash spooky history is Tara mentioned that there was like a really high death rate. And one of the reasons that this really high death rate was happening is a lot of people were coming in who weren't, that didn't get health care and probably were a lot sicker than they should have been um, if they had gotten traditional help. And with, you know, the hospital being understaffed and didn't have the resources, they couldn't help them. And they were they had John Doe's and Jane Doe's dying at an enormous rate. And so they came up with a hospital protocol, which was that when they would get a John Doe or Jane Doe in and they died, you're supposed to keep the body for 30 days. But that's according to like the L.A. County. But they couldn't do that because of the amount of deaths that were happening. They didn't have the room. So what they would end up doing is they would take them down and cremate them. Like after an autopsy was done, they would take them down and cremate them. And at first they were doing it like by the book, like they would do one body at a time. They were doing it in the boiler room and they would take the ashes out, put it in a box and mark like John Doe, this date, whatever identifying thing that they had. Well, if you were working in a st- in an understaffed, overworked hospital, you're not going to necessarily keep this up. So after a while, they would stop doing individually and they would burn people together. They wouldn't separate the ashes. They wouldn't even box them up because they realized that nobody was coming to claim these people. In the second episode, Zach and I think Nick and maybe Aaron go to the L.A. County coroner's office 
And they ask questions like, what is your protocol with John Doe's and Jane Doe's? And he's like, the hospitals are supposed to bring them to them and drop them off. And then they keep them for 30 days. And they asked, like, when Linda Vista was open, did they bring? And they said, yeah. But I think there was just too many. And in the very first episode that they go there, they go down to the boiler room and they open, like, one of the shoots, one of the burning shoots, and there's just all this ash there, like where the ash would spit out. And Zach like touches it thinking it's like ash, like ash ash, like not people ash. And then they were like, uh, yeah. And he's like, wait, is this like human ash? And they're like, yeah. And Zach at first is like, oh my God, I am touching human ash. Like he's like having a moment. But then he sticks his hand in there and he pulls out, it's either a tooth or a bone fragment. And then, like, he does a nice thing. Like, he's like, feel like we should have, like, a moment of silence. I mean, right before that, he did use hand sanitizer, (laughs) which I would have been like, good. Old dead dust. Like, that's what that was. Like, it was, I mean, we're talking from the 90s, and this was, like, 2009. So, like, he definitely washed his hands, and then they had a moment of silence, which I thought was really nice. But because of that... They feel like the hospital has all of this energy because we kind of know that unidentified, unresolved individuals, how they they don't have peace. They don't have rest. And so like the woman that Nick saw could be one of them. And this is why for me, it's hard to conceptualize that this turned into like a senior living facility because it's like there was so much, you know? Yeah. Just like a fun fact, the LA coroner's office says they get 50 new cases a day. Wow. And if you times that by 365, that's 18,250 people annually. Wow. That come into the coroner's office. And like they walked through and it's it's not like what you would think. It's not like a bunch of shelves in a room. It's just like a it's a refrigerated room with a bunch of bodies on gurneys and like stacked in bunks. And I was just like, oh, that's so sad. I text her. I was like, I wonder who writes Zach's stuff because he was being super poetic at that time. And I was like, "Mm, he's being a little more poetic than normal. (laughs) That's the point. They got like professional people in on there. It's fine. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But so there is a there are a lot. I'm sure there's other entities that like people don't talk about or haven't like written about. And I had did not have time to watch like every single paranormal investigation because it was like up until it was re- renovated, it was like a paranormal hotspot for people to go to. Yeah, it was super popular. And I think it's because like the people who owned it were like, sure, you want to go into this gross abandoned hospital? Have at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that is all I have today and we're gonna wrap it up and we will see you back here on thursday for a stabby bye bye guys murder in america is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states including stories of mass shootings serial killers and lesser known murders Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.